We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers closed out their five-game homestand, going three and two, splitting a pair of games this weekend. First got a good win against the Toronto Raptors on Friday night in a game where the starters were a minus 27 in just over 10 minutes. But then the bench came in and was just amazing. Austin and Dennis were great off the bench. D'Angelo Russell made his return with a 28-point night and a 16-point fourth quarter. Lakers go on a big run in the fourth quarter after a, a rough third and get the win, 122-112. to 112. Lakers also gave up 112 points against the Knicks on Sunday, but only scored 108, dropping the final game of the homestand. In a game, they made a run toward the end, but the bench in particular was rough last night. And so Lakers find themselves in a four-way tie, technically 11th right now due to tiebreakers, but in a four-way tie between the ninth and 12th seeds. And with 14 games to go, D, I, I know you're particularly irritated about last night's game, so I'll give you the floor. So first of all, before I go off on my rant, or not even a rant, I'm just frustrated about the game. There was a lot of stuff that I thought left me sour about Sunday's game. I'd, I'd rather not start sour because it, it really was a split weekend. Like, I thought the Friday game was freaking amazing. Like, just a great atmosphere. The crowd, like, I was in and out. I was, like, watching on my phone for a long stretch. It's my brother-in-law's birthday. We're out at dinner. I'm getting side-eye because, and then giving score updates. So... What a, what a great game. D'Angelo Russell's return. Like, I thought that was a fantastic game. And so I don't want this whole pod to be like me dumping on what was a winnable Knicks game, I thought, and a Knicks team that played hard and a Lakers team that played hard, but I don't think played as smart as they could have been. And I yeah. thought that they, Darwin after the game described it as like some untimely and unfortunate mistakes. And I think that that's partially true. Like they didn't get some defensive rebounds that they really needed and some other stuff. I also thought that 
I don't think that that was one of Darwin's better coached games, to tell you the truth. Like from my perspective, I know that there's other angles to dissect about the game, but the bench group wasn't very good. And there were also a few starters that weren't very good. And finding the right mix of players against a very physical and strong Knicks team, I thought was super important. And the Lakers have the size, I think, to match up a little bit better with the Knicks. One of the things that I recall about the game that happened in New York, where the Lakers beat the Knicks in OT, and there was a lot of differences with that game. Mitchell Robinson didn't play. Obviously, it was before the trade deadline, but the front court matchup, I thought, was super important in that game in that they put LeBron on R.J. Barrett, and Barrett really didn't get off in that game. And I thought LeBron's combination of just like size and being more of uh, an impediment to keep Barrett out of the paint because he has not been shooting the three-pointer well and he didn't shoot the three-pointer well against the Lakers either. I thought that was important for the Lakers' defensive success. And last night, I thought the Lakers did not match up with Barrett very well by playing a bunch of smaller guys against him. And honestly, I thought that was the difference in the game. And and so like I, I feel like I've been fairly even-handed with, with Darvin, but I don't think this was his best coached game in that to beat the team in front of him, I thought it required a couple of different adjustments that just were never made. In fact, he went the opposite of that direction by playing some zone some, and it just didn't work for them. And that's sort of, it's one of the reasons why I'm left a little bit sour after last night's loss in, in that that game was right there for the taking for them. I was looking for a couple of adjustments that never came. Yeah, I, I sensed a little bit of frustration uh, from you in the the text thread. And I was, as, as, as I was going through the post game stuff, I was trying to stay quiet um, on it because sometimes I think I have the tendency of, of just, you know, jumping in with a counterpoint when sometimes you just want to talk about what you saw and what you felt. And I, but I was not as frustrated um, just in general. And I kind of, I don't know if you saw the Austin Reeves post game, but that was kind of like my tenor um, after things like I'm, for that specific game, and I know we'll get into it, there were a couple of things that you just nailed, right? That like RJ Barrett, scouting report's pretty simple on him. Keep him on the perimeter. He can't shoot. You know, he got to the paint a million times. Julius Randle, you got to pick him up in transition. You know, like just these things, but Randall and then Hart when he came in, like they love playing with that 150% energy when they come into this building. Of course, the team that drafted him. Knicks didn't want to go home with a four-game losing streak. There just there were a lot of factors. The Lakers have been playing so hard um, for basically a month. And I, I just thought that, like, from my perspective, they deserve a, li- they deserve a game like that, um, where it's frustrating. They certainly left a lot of stuff on the table. But zooming out and looking at eight and four um, now and getting Russell back and having him look pretty g- damn good, uh, I, I still think that st- even with the standings watch, um, I that for me was just sort of it's going to happen sometimes. Uh, and that's not to dismiss the reasons why it happened, which could have been fixed and all that. But, you know, they just beat Golden State, Memphis and Toronto, three pretty good teams um, without Russell for two of them. And LeBron's been out this whole time. So they're still figuring out like Darvin's still figuring out who's going to play with whom and when. What are they? How do they deal with Vanderbilt when he's not playing with uh, with LeBron? There's there's a lot of stuff 
that still has to be figured out. And they've just been winning games by basically playing super hard in the meantime. So I, that's that's how I was coming out of it. I'm in a similar spot, Mike. I'm, I wasn't terribly frustrated about last night in some respects, at least. And because it's like, make your free throws. We shot very poorly from the free throw line. We didn't pick Julius up early in transition. And we gave a bu- up a bunch of plays where it was like straight line drives directly to the basket for a dunk in transition. Uh, there were a lot of like own goal mistakes in, in that game. Uh, Troy Brown and Malik Beasley played very poorly. Uh, Troy, I thought Troy and Dennis, um, and this is something that you were talking about last night and this morning, D. Uh, I'm going to throw Dennis into it as well. They've been amongst the most competitive guys on the team this whole year, right? And they did not match their normal level of intensity. And then Troy and Malik got great looks at three and just could knock them down. Like of Troy went 0 for 7 from three. And I'd venture guess that I think about five of them were wide open type of shots. And so there was a lot to me of this like little stuff that if you don't do that and you don't do that and you don't do that, like that's going to happen sometimes. Um, that said, I, I also don't want to dismiss the the uh, things that we did leave on the table that we do have control over, because I'm always a big believer of that. No matter the night, no matter the guys that you have that, you know, control what you can control and you're going to get some wins. There were some things that we weren't quite there on. And I want to focus on the bench unit, specifically with AD on the bench, although AD had a very odd weekend, only scoring 25 combined points in the two games. But we're really losing those minutes without AD on the court. Now, he's been playing shifts where he goes out at like the two or three minute mark in the first and third quarter. He goes out of the game and then comes back in around the eight or nine minute mark of the second and fourth. So I want to talk about that window, D, between there and there, because that's where we've really struggled with those all bench groups. LeBron is supposed to be subbed back in at that point in the theoretical full rotation. And I think that he resolves a lot of those issues in that group. But we're tied. We're in the 11th spot right now. We're tied with three other teams with the same record. And we got to get wins today. And LeBron's not coming back anytime soon, at least for for a couple of weeks. Right. And so how can we get more out of those bench groups that have been really struggling? Well, some of this is just going to be like these guys need to play better on the nights where it's there for them to play better. Right. Like some of those groups were good against Toronto. Um but it's tricky, man. Like Stu mentioned it on the broadcast, but Darwin's really been tying uh, D'Lo and AD's minutes together. And so they are they are your usage kings. They're the guys who are the fulcrum of good, good offense. And they're the guys who you could just give the ball to and run action through will will through them and i actually think it's interesting like some of what happened against toronto was just like nick nurse doing what nick nurse does against anthony davis like there may not be a player that nick nurse like really is just like no bro like it's gonna be someone else it's gonna be somebody else we're gonna send it's gonna be someone else tonight and they have the length and size and athleticism to where even if they're doubling with two long athletes they got two others on the back line well it's just like they put ananobi on them and they told Mm -hmm. ananobi just like look bro shove him out as far as you can get if underneath he gets him. deep on mm-hmm. you then get in front of him and front the post right we're we're denying him the ball and then on it's it wasn't on the catch necessarily but anytime he turned and 
like he turned to post, it was just like, no, man, the second and third defender is are there lurking. You're not going to like it's not going to be you. Golden State did similar things in that one game where he got like five shot attempts. And so the book is out. Like if you want to take Anthony Davis out of the game, you have to dedicate a ton of resources to do it. But you can go that route. But other guys are going to go off. If that's the case, and it's no coincidence to me that the Lakers have won those games with other guys sort of enjoying all of the freedom, like, oh, you're just going to like Delos was walking in for layups against those dudes like, oh, you're just going to let me ball fake and go up for a practice mm-hmm. layup and not guard me. I'm D'Angelo Russell, right? Like I'm good and I'm going to my left hand like these, these aren't even hard shots, right? But tying those two together, it's almost just like, okay, well, now here's a group that is built around like Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder shot creation and and Troy Brown needs needs to hit some threes and then motor in the front court with Vando and Gabriel. And if Vando and Gabriel are getting after it on like the offensive glass and Vando hits a three and then suddenly Troy Brown hits a three and then... The ball is moving and ping, ping, second side action, drive for layup. It's just like, oh, look at this group. They can do some things. You slow that group down, Mike. And they're in the half court. And it's like, oh, man, who's going to create offense with with this group? Like, they really need to get the wheel going. And Pete, sometimes, Mike, sometimes it's just like, well, they're in the snow. You drove in Minnesota a few times with no uh, with no chains, I'm sure. And you're just like, well, the wheel's spinning, but we ain't going nowhere. And like they need to get the defense. That group needs to get the defense moving and into scramble mode a little bit. And if they can't do it, they're going to struggle to score. And I don't know how it changes. Pete, you asked me as I don't know, like they need to get the defense on their heels a little bit. First of all, I know how to drive in snow and you don't. So the chains, that's more of a mountain thing. I've never had chains in my car. There aren't that many mountains and there are a couple hills in Minnesota, but I'm not really a skier. Um, so, but yeah, man, the, uh, snow's fine. It's when you get into the black ice, that's where mm. that's not great. And I, I have some metaphors as to what could be, a, who, is, who would be a black ice team and uh, where you would need the snow tires. Let's save that for a different spot. Yeah. Yeah, we can really bear out one of Darius's analogies, but let's let's shelve that for a minute. A couple of things that I that I think that have to be figured out, but will be over this next next stretch are, and you guys made this point. Was it Pete? Did you send the net rating with Vanderbilt? The with LeBron? Yeah. yeah. So what? Maybe if you speak to that real quick, and then I'll hit that in, in a couple other points. So just that Vanderbilt was a plus forty in the three games that he played with LeBron. And in like 75 minutes, plus 40 in like 75 minutes, in all the other games that Vanderbilt has played, that he's a minus, I think, 67 in 225 minutes. And so, yeah, figuring out a fit for him. And that's that's kind of one of the places that I focus on, Mike, with the bench unit question, because one of the adjustments that Darwin made a couple of games ago is to put Vanderbilt with that bench group. And I think that was to try to resolve some of the rebounding issues when you only have when Wenyan is the only big guy out there and obviously Bamba got hurt recently or if it's Wenyan and Rui like you don't quite have enough in terms of size and physicality around the rim so he made that adjustment but 
those groups have been rough on the offensive end, like Darius was saying, you know, like it's if you slow that team down, you got a couple of guys that don't space the floor. Uh, You've got Dennis has a limited jump shot. That to me is one of the kind of the recipes there, Mike, is that like if you've got two bigs that can't shoot, if one of your guards isn't a great jump shooter, too, you're probably going to struggle in the half court. So I have a thought on that. Let's take a break and then get back to that and more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Pete. So with Vanderbilt specifically, and as, as, it, as he works within the rest of the roster... This still, to me, while the Lakers are a good team that makes sense, but without LeBron, they're not a great team yet. Like, there are still some Mm -hmm. flaws. There are still some holes that you have to fill on both sides of the court. And I think that they've done, they've patched things up well enough to, again, have this eight and four stretch now um, since the trade deadline. But now they're coming into a a stretch of games that's a little bit easier in terms of opponent stretch uh, and uh, opponent strength. And that's something I know, Pete, that you pointed out when we had this discussion like a month ago. Uh, this middle of March, uh, easing up a little bit. And with that said, so like Vanderbilt in his fit, it's kind of that it goes back to their, the whole, what you thought of him when he was acquired and he's been more cast into the, the kind of four or five role where teams are just leaving him on offense and saying, if you want to shoot, shoot as many corner threes as you want, which they weren't doing the first couple of games where Vanderbilt was in there. Uh, and that's that's one thing. And then if the other team doesn't have kind of a, an elite wing type for him to guard, because so Barrett, I think to Darius's point, he probably would have been better off on Barrett. But Barrett's not elite, mm-hmm. you know, by any stretch. And you're kind of thinking, well, it's Julius Randall. And then Darius, did you like the whistle that Randall was getting, by the way? I... Early in the <laughs> I was a bit frustrated by the whistle. Okay. You're such a big Julius Randle fan too. I, I'm surprised. You sure. Know. It's just like, I love Julius Randle, except when he's getting soft ass fouls against the Lakers <laughs> while AD is going up 
And look, maybe it wouldn't matter with AD. He went one for five from the foul line, but maybe he could have caught a rhythm if he actually got to the line a little Mm -hmm. bit more while Randall is stepping through and just falling on the damn ground and getting a whistle. But AD's got two guys just on him. It's just like, oh, nope. Nope, you can fall on the ground and you're just Anthony Davis. You fall on the ground a lot, apparently. So you don't get the whistle. Yeah, no, but so displeasure scale certainly enacted, but that <laughs> if you knew in hindsight that that was how the rest were going to call things, then maybe you just put Davis on Randall to start. Although that yes. maybe gives him a foul, yeah. but but Vanderbilt like Vanderbilt can't guard Julius with that kind of a whistle because Julius is just he's a little bit too big. Um even in and then there's so it just becomes an awkward thing and then you have the same issue when you bring Dennis in like there's just a lot of that stuff um I think that that is is going to happen some. And I'm not that we need to look immediately ahead to New Orleans. We don't know if Ingram's going to play, but then you're all of a sudden, if he doesn't, then you're in that same kind of mix. Well, so what utility does Vanderbilt have as much, right? Um, if if Ingram is not playing and then they're playing a different type of a lineup, but you then, you have Troy Brown Jr. in there who for a while has really eaten with this kind of group because of the open shots that he's getting and the spacing that's, mm-hmm. that he's creating. But when he's not, then you're just sitting there and thinking, well, you'd almost rather have just have Austin Reeves in the game more. And so there's, and then shift Vanderbilt down about a size, a body size, and like he can go over to Barrett. So there's, there's a lot of that stuff that can happen. I, I I'm, I think that they'll get back to, um, to it making sense when the whole team plays better. And this is the, the, the point I want to posit back to you though. Now, losing that game against the Knicks, I think increases the chances of winning both of these games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, mm. I, I think that. It, not only in general, but for Anthony Davis and the way that he played going back to new Orleans, the urgency that this creates the, the sort of, I think that that's a, that's something also that sometimes when you lose a game like that in a bit of it, it's just the energy and the effort. uh, It does sometimes lead to the response. The next one. I agree with that. I think that that's something, if you look at our next four games, we're at Pelicans, then at Houston, home versus Dallas and home versus Orlando. We should be trying to go 4-0 in those games. And that's something, though, that it's impossible to fake urgency. And that I thought there was a big discrepancy in this Knicks game in particular. Like you pointed out, Mike, the Knicks had been on a nine game winning streak, then all of a sudden lost three in a row. I think that and they're a good team. They've, they've played well this year. And I, I like their squad, especially with heart. And so to me, in some ways, D, to look at it from a glass half full perspective, I don't want to say a lot of things went wrong as though it were a passive thing that we did not have control over. But between. Malik and Troy's shooting are just bad transition defense, just simple stuff. You miss our free throw. We miss our free throws. Julius and Barrett both go for 30 plus. We lose that game by four. We're riding it toward the end. We totally mismanaged the clock toward the end of that game, not committing a foul in the last possession. There's, I think it speaks to some degree of we've got a decent amount of talent on this squad to be able yeah. to win, win these games. Um, and, and so I don't know. I, I was disappointed about last night, but I think that we we still have a lot to to work with. No, I'm glad you guys feel this way. Like that's a totally valid perspective. One of the things that I do as a fan is when the team is bad, I show a lot of grace towards a bad team. There are so many things that are wrong with you. Mm. How can I be mad? Right. When it's just like, in some ways, you've been set up for failure and you're failing. Oh, no, I'm shocked. Right. That, right. Can't believe this bad jump shooter is missing jump shots. Yes. Like, let's be real about things. As the team gets better, I have less and less grace 
for you. You're better than this. Be better. Show that you're better. Coach like you're better. Play like you're better. Be better. So I'm with you. I understand all of that. They lost by four points in a game where they didn't do a lot of things right. I'm frustrated that all the things they should have done better, they just didn't. There was a lot that was in their control. The Lakers have been a bad transition defense. They've been it all season. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more than platitudes about being better in transition defense. Mm -hmm. I'd love to get explanations about why guards can crash the offensive glass like as often as they want and leaving the floor unbalanced. While the other team has a grab and go big that's just going to push it down your throats every single time. This is their game plan. And you're just going to be like, oh, well, we had some unfortunate mistakes. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you keep going to the offensive glass or you have three guys below the foul line. In order to try to race out like, look, I'm sorry, I'm upset about this game. The Lakers had an opportunity to get to 500. They had an opportunity to to sort of like continue this this push. And I'm with Mike, like, and I'm with you too, Pete. Like this idea of can't fake urgency. Like there's now a setup, like there's a springboard in to these road games that may not have been there before. It's like, I get it. There's like a path, 100%. You're also right. You're 100% right with this. Like, give me the wins. Mm-hmm. But there is no time to be like, oh, well, all right, like this is going to be better now because of these other things. Like we took an L, but that's going to springboard like, nah, I hear that. And that's totally valid. But I'm like, nah, go get the other wins anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. You won three in a row. You could have won four in a row. Pete's talking about winning four more in a row, potentially after this. How about have an eight game winning streak? How about get to that fifth seed like and and i know that there's a human nature element to this i know that you can't stay up and ride and and go high and and i get it i've been watching basketball a long time i'm a fan i want the team to win but i'm also even keeled most of the time and fair-minded about such things i just felt like there was some things were not locked into place as as they needed to be with with the next game and that's a game i really wanted for them. And after the game, I felt like the players were just like, that one hurt us. And one of the reasons why it should have hurt them is because they know it too. They oh, yeah. know it too. And that's why I want them in those spirits, Mike. Like I want them to channel that and use it to push forward. I just wish that they didn't have to take the L for that to be the thing too, because I think that they're ready to roll. And we talked about this a few pods ago too. This team is ready to make a push. Yeah, I guess this this specific part of the discussion reminds me a little bit of the conversation that Pete and I were having about the standings, essentially, and like what the Lakers should be shooting for. And, you know, I think that the way that you guys are talking about the team is is a little bit strong, a little bit generous for what they are still based on talent and based on continuity and based on like the coaching staff new this season, just all of these factors relative to the rest of the Western Conference with most of these other teams pretty good. And we're, we're saying, well, yes, there are things on the, that you left on the table in the Knicks loss, but they beat the Warriors, Grizzlies, and, and Raptors and could have lost all three of those games. Like mm-hmm. these are not, this is not a, a, this is not a locomotive right now. Just, this just going to crush every team ahead of them. They're good. They make a lot more sense, but like they're, 
like once LeBron comes back and then they're really slotted better, I, I definitely agree that nobody in the Western Conference is going to want to see them in a series. And that's still, I think, what they're pushing towards. I just I have a harder time uh, like expecting that they're just going to win every game because they do everything right every night. And I'm not saying you're I, I'm not. Uh, trust me, I don't want to go back and forth. I'm just that's why I'm a little bit more stepped back from this team and thinking that the position they put themselves in now um, is relative to even two weeks ago is very favorable. Very. And it's it's like I, I don't want to then I Darius, I guess part of your what you're saying is like, well, yeah, but don't take your foot off the gas. And I agree with that. It's just that it's it's not necessarily always taking your foot off the gas when the other team does some things that that, that is just going to happen in the NBA. To me, it's more about control what you can control. And I think that we were deficient in that respect yesterday. So for example, Julius in the first quarter, he hit some tough shots. If a Teams are, have players, have great players around the league that are going to hit tough shots that you're going to lose to guys. OG Ananobi was hitting some amazing shots, even with the size discrepancy and all of that. He was on fire on the game on Friday as well. That's going to happen. But it's more the make your free throws and layups like AD was very upset with himself in the postgame interview about that. Stop the ball in transition. Like box out, you know, put a body on a guy. Darvin was talking to your point. This is what I was thinking while you were talking D about like the accountability. What are the three things that he talks about? Energy, something and accountability. What is it, Mike? Urgency. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. Yes. There have been a few of them this year, but that that's yeah, the most recent one. It's the three words. Uh, yeah. So he focused on accountability as the third word in that, and that there needs to be more of that. And I understand like boxing out every weak side crasher, you know, every guy that's crashing the offensive boards, like there's a certain level of doing that though, that I think is totally fair to expect. And in an environment where we know this team, there's no way to fake continuity. There's no way to speed up the process of a new team getting to know each other. So we're disadvantaged, even relative to our talent, just by the fact that these guys just got together. And so the things that you do have control over that you can take care of, despite that, uh, that to me is where your point really resonates with me, D, is it's even less about the result for me than it is like you ran out of your runway and that that urgency that needs to be created, that, that happened a, a while back. We ran out of that. And so... We are definitely in a way more favorable position than we were, like Mike said. But who knows? There could be an injury in the next game. You know what I mean? Like every basically you can't we have no more room to give games like that away. Yeah. I also think too that it's just like we've been talking a lot about the players and, and I'm gonna turn it back to Darwin a little bit here too. It's just like he played a zone against the Knicks team that didn't have a lot of shot creators on the court during those minutes in which he played played a zone. And that's like the second or third time this season that I can recall off of the top of my head where it's just like, why why is this team in a zone against this specific group? I think he did it against OKC as well, where they had like almost all their bench guys in and and Isaiah Joe, who all he's right. gonna do is shoot threes. And it's just mm -hmm. like you're playing a zone against this specific group. And I just thought that it was, and I put this in, in our text thread, but like 
it was not lost on me that coming into the fourth quarter, the Lakers, I think, had a one point lead. And the first three possessions of the fourth quarter, they're in a zone. Mm. They've got Dennis Austin and Vando on the court. They're three of your best individual defenders, yet you're playing so passive with them, sitting back in a zone. They're probably three of your best on-ball defensive players as well, and you're sitting them back. And the Knicks come out, they hit two threes, then they miss a shot, but they get an offensive rebound. Because that's right? harder to do when you're in a zone. Because as that's well. harder to do when you're in a zone. You're not marking a guy. You're playing in space. They give up an offensive rebound. It kicks around, and they get another three. And so maybe it wasn't three straight threes, but it was th- it was three straight possessions to start the game where they score, or to start the fourth quarter and they score. After that, Darvin yells out the signal like, "Oh, we're going back to man." Great. First possession in man, Vando (laughs) jumps a passing lane, he gets a steal, and then they get a basket. And it's just like, this is what these dudes do, like these specific players that are Mm -hmm. on the court. This is what they're in the game to do. And so that to me was like a microcosm of the game in general, where it's just like we talk about some of the player deficiencies, like, yes, Beasley and Troy couldn't hit a shot. But I thought Troy's defense wasn't as good as it could have been either. Like, And like he's entitled to have a bad game. All of these players of are entitled to have a bad game here or there. And so I'm with it. Like You don't have to expect Troy Brown to play like a $15 million a year player every single night. He's not going to. The fact that he's had this long of a stretch playing as great as he oh, has, yeah. just like, oh, damn, Troy Brown. Like, give me more of that. I just thought the Knicks game was a game where... It was on autopilot a little bit too much, both for the players and for the coach, where it's just like what we've been doing has been working. We're going to continue to do that thing. But there were a few levers I thought that needed to be adjusted some based off the opponent, how the individual, how that opponent was playing and Mm -hmm. then how the individual players for the Lakers were, were, were playing as well. And it just didn't happen. It left me wanting more. If I could add a bit of context to that. Part of why we won the game on Friday was the zone that we went to, the same zone that we went to, right? And uh, that really frustrated Toronto. And there's this dynamic going on that I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this. This is a bit of a devil's advocate pushback, but I do believe this to a degree, is that when asked recently or, you know, the last time he played, LeBron was asked, like, what are kind of the next steps with this new group and whatnot? And the first thing he said was, we have to figure out who comes into the game when and yeah, we have to we have to figure out who comes into the game and when. And I guess I empathize with Darvin on this level in that. There are big picture things where you're like, do we play this style of defense? Do we play the zone to start the fourth quarter where when ends at the five? Because that's what we do during this portion of the game. And that's what this group of players does does best. And I agree with your assessment that that is not what this group of players does best, right? And that 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 success was more of a versus Toronto type of thing. But there's an overall structure that Darvin has to build to slot LeBron back in when LeBron gets back too, that I guess that has to be less team specific. And so, I don't know, I just, it's it's a difficult path to walk down where you have to establish kind of a structure to where your your rotation is, how you play during each portion of the game, but also balance it with, we have to beat this team tonight. And what takes beating this team is going to be different than it took the last game or the next game. Well, Darvin all year has been more of a, we need to control what we do first and we need to play the way that we're going to play. 
And mm-hmm. that's not to say that he won't make adjustments uh, within the course of a game, but that is that does seem to be what his philosophy is more. And I think that with the challenges of the Lakers having the number one most starting lineups in the NBA this year, and and that to then have five new players at the deadline and just the constantly shuffling parts, it makes that a lot harder. Uh, it just does. So this is part of what's baked into my whole like when there are issues within certain games, it's just mm-hmm. and it's it's just sort of easily explainable as to why. But it's also true that they are issues and that they will lose you games sometimes. Man, I don't know. I I I've, to just throw one other thing in there because I know we're running out of time. Just ru- with D'Angelo Russell's shooting and his playmaking mm-hmm. and his assist to turnover, oh, I man. think is is something that's worthy of a bit of discussion. It, uh, you guys made a great point earlier, and I think it was Darius just about how with AD and the attention, if teams are going to play him a certain way and just going to just let Darius or let Darius, let D'Angelo Darius also had a nice ball fake um, going to his left, but just going to let him do that. And then he's got the three in such a great rhythm. And he's just, I was walking out with him last night. He's just feeling confident and comfortable with what his game is right now. He knows what defenses are doing. He knows how to get to his spots you know, he, he feels his release feels great. Like he he's just he's in a good rhythm and the pressure that was all on him at age 19, the first time that he played for the Lakers, that's not there, you know, in any way near of a similar place. Like it, it's just a he's in a nice spot, I think, for this final stretch here. And that's not to say he was perfect, especially on the defensive end. But I just wanted to inject a little bit of Russell um, into the this discussion that we seem to keep having where I'm I'm pushing back a little bit while still agreeing with you know, the, the with essentially all of the actual basketball points that you're making. Russell's been great. And beyond, we talk about the little things in terms of like the things that the Lakers didn't do, right? I, well, at least I have been this, this pod in. I've been heavy handed, I know. Um, one of the things that Russell's done, and I thought this was like, he was exemplary at this against the Raptors is like, Oh, you want to put a big physical wing on me? Who's going to ball pressure me? Guess what? Like, I don't feel that at all. Yeah. I don't feel that. I don't, I don't care how closely you guard me. I don't care how, how, how much you try to poke away at the ball. It's just like, Oh, a little between the legs behind the back, little, like little get in my crouch and just dribble. However I want. You're not disrupting my rhythm. You're not taking away my flow. Uh, Pete Austin after one of the games and was probably the Raptor game where he got asked about D'Lo and it was just like, there's like a handful of players in the league who like make the shots that he makes and Mm -hmm. he plays at his own pace and you don't throw him off of that. And I thought that was like a keen observation, especially after the Raptors game, because they were doing everything they could to speed the Lakers up and D'Lo would not be sped up at all. He plays at whatever tempo he wants to play at. A lot of times that's like sort of lulling you to sleep a little bit. And to Mike's point, like that's the injection of that, that calmness, like you've, you've talked a ton about like, and I don't want to like, I don't bring Russ into this from a pejorative standpoint. It's more just like Russ was go, 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 go. And like, and D'Angelo is so like, oh, like I'm just sort of like cruising along. And it's fire and ice, man. You couldn't have a more significant turn in terms of a lead guard than going from 
Russell Westbrook to D'Angelo Russell in terms of just style of play. It's like one's a fireball and one's Mr. Ice in his veins. And so just to your point, stylistically, it's so different. But that's what strikes me from D'Lo being in, you know, under the intense spotlight of the Lakers and watching him on a day to day basis. And then, of course, I followed his career and I'd watch games of his as he left. But it's just so different having him on a day to day basis. And that's the thing that really stands out to me is how in command he is of of everything that he does. And the this is this weekend that he had was the manifestation of my we need a skill guard type of dreams that we've been having for the last couple of years is that's what it would look like is this guy that is so in command and skilled enough to where they put Pascal Siakam on him, who's a good defender with great length. Siakam has no chance to guard a guy like D'Lo because of the level of skill and precision. And so there's just been a surgical aspect to how he's played that it's just like, man, he's 27 years old. He's not the 19 year old kid. And just from a personal level, Mike, he just seems so in command of what he's doing. We're going to wrap up here, but there's uh, plenty more D'Lo talk to to be had. Um, hopefully he keeps it up. Lakers got a game tomorrow. We'll be back with another pod before then. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.